AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. Brand new to you, holiday edition. J.P. Dierbogosian is kind enough to join us. This queer book saved my life. The Gailey Show, brand new since the beginning of December, right here on AM 950. He's kind enough today to talk about the shows as well as also the year in the LGBTQ culture as we have seen it because there's been goods and bads and we'll talk about all that here. But JP, it's good to see you, my friend. It's good to see you. Thank you for having me back. My pleasure. You know, the last time you and I – I saw you at that little social gathering we had a few months back, right? I saw you there and I mentioned to someone, you know, the sign that your show – remember I told you your show is important. The the, the, the the this queer book saved my life. That show is important because I I told some people. So like, yeah, I saw JP, and they're like, you know him? I said yes. And these no. are these are you know people who are not gay, but listen to your show because they say it's such. They have friends who are gay, family members who are gay, and it gives them a great insight to the perception of the, from the culture from their perception and their perspective. It, it, you know, it, I wanted to make sure I mentioned that to you because it, your show is, is, is pretty darn good, man. I have to, I'm very impressed. I appreciate that. Thank you. You've, you've been back on, talk about bringing back to AM 950 earlier in December here. Yeah, we are officially back. We came back on December 2nd. We are in a new day and time slot uh, at 2 p.m. on Saturdays. And it's actually very exciting because we're kind of coming together with a variety of other queer-related shows, which is very exciting to have that partnership and that investment with AM 950. But what's new this time around, actually, is that we have episodes of This Queer Book Saved My Life. And then to round out the hour, mm-hmm. if you will, we have a new show called The Gailey Show, which is celebrating <laughs> LGBTQ culture and entertainment right here in Minnesota with some headlines and, you know, fun stuff that are happening, you know, throughout the country and the globe if it is important to us here in Minnesota. With The Gailey Show, was that is that always something you've wanted to do? Because obviously gay culture when it comes to the arts is, is something that is, you know, prevalent everywhere. And in Minneapolis-St. Paul has got a pretty thriving uh, scene as well. So is this something that you've always wanted to do kind of a show on this level? You know, if you would ask my 12-year-old self that (laughs) at this age I'd be doing that, I'd be, like, petrified. Uh, But this is actually – I'm really happy to be in this role where I can help uplift folks. I was – as I've been getting the word out and telling, like, you know, my friends in my network, like, hey, that are artists or, you know, musicians and all that stuff, like, here's what's happening. And I had one friend that was like, I just told my entire network and I'm actually hopeful that some artistic directors in town, this will help them start to pick and produce more queer content because they've got a platform now and a partner in the community that can help get the word out. And I was like, yes, Mm -hmm. let that be, you know, how can we get more, you know, artists out there and have folks choose to do more of this work. And so, you know, here we go, this partnership with AM950. Hopefully we can make a difference. Well, and I got to be honest with one of the reasons why I love this station so much is that it is so eclectic. Um, yes, we, you is. know, we have so many different voices <laughs> out there. And as a matter of fact, one of the things which I really like is that we try to find the voices that are not being represented and get uh, and get them on the air with us. And of course, you're you have uh, this queer book in my life, the Gailey Show. You know, you putting that together. You and I talked a little bit about this before as well. The normalization of this is that the problem that we have with you know some of the closed-minded people that are out there is they don't want this normalized. And mm-hmm. listening to these shows, you realize it's as normalized as anything, and that's why it's so important. It's it's basically saying no, this isn't fringe. This isn't. These are just people, and this is their. Yeah. Th- th- this is what it is. And you know what? You you don't have to be part of any specific you know demographic to address. Everyone can enjoy this because that's the kind of the whole point of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I kind of get I kind of get bothered by the fact that, that people look at this as a 
like Robert Pilot's show or a, a Pat Vasquez's show or something like this. And it's like, okay, you're just you know kind of niche. And I said, no, no, no. This is just good programming. Yeah. And if you're listening to it, you're going to listen to this station through the day. I mean, minus that that crap fest is my show in the afternoon. But I mean, the rest of these shows, you you get you will <laughs> you will <laughs> basically be smarter. And, and, and smarter in a really tricky way because you'll understand things from a different perspective. And I think that's the real trick. Well, I think it's about recognizing other people's humanity. And for queer people growing up or surrounded by you know straight and cis media, we consume it and we've learned to see ourselves in it. And we take away lessons from that and we take away joy from that. And I think it's hard for some folks when they've been stigmatized from so little, you know, from four years old, five years old to not treat us as human. Then it's hard for them to watch our art and read our books and watch our films and see themselves reflected in it. They're like, well, I, that's not for me. You know, that's not humanity. That's them. And it's like, well, no, we have a shared humanity here. And there's there's absolutely things that you can get out of this about what it's like to live and love in this world, mm-hmm. whether you're straight, cis, you know, trans or whatever. Well, and it, when I was a kid, if the person, the character in a play or a movie was gay, that was the point of it. Mm-hmm. Today, it's changed. It's just mm-hmm. – it's a character in the play mm-hmm. and it doesn't necessarily – there's no, no – there's no plot points per se. It's just it's just the person. Yeah. I think that that is the real concept of acceptance is that when I go to the MIA and I see artists there, it's not just the special wing with this you know type <laughs> of artist. It's, it's just, OK, here's the Picasso. Here's boom. It, it, right. that's, I think that that's what's changing is that it's not – it's not something that you know. It's one thing, obviously, to highlight, and obviously, the gay community should be proud and loud and, and saying all these things and having their own elements of it. But when it just is part weaved into the fabric of every other culture, that's the success ratio, and that's why your your program, other programs like it, are so important. Yeah, it is very. You know, when I was growing up, so you know, late Xer. You know, just seeing a queer character, uh, yeah. you know, on a TV show or in a film was, you know, what? And usually it was, you know, either a, you know, they either died or they were, you know, there for comedic relief, and you know, they never, you know, were servicing the main storyline. They were never the, like the point of the of the TV show or the book or whatever. And to now be in this space where it's actually hard to, I'm like, I don't have to fill time. I have to cut. Like, what am I going to include in the Gailey show? You know what I mean? Like, there's just so much that's out there. And there's so much that, you, like you said, is pervasive within just shows now. It's like, it's almost expected. Like, if I watch a show and I'm like, wait a minute, there isn't a queer character in here? <laughs> like, it's just gotten to that point where, you know, our media is reflecting what our life is like, you know, that, we, you know, you and I or anybody that lives in the Twin Cities or in Duluth or St. Cloud experiences. So it's really, it's really wild over my lifetime to, and I'm of an age where I have seen that shift to go from like literally seeing one person represented an entire year mm-hmm. to I literally cannot keep up. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and by the way, yeah, it, it's the same thing. It's like if you've got a, a cast with eight to 10, guess what? You know, that's kind of, there should be someone in there. Yeah. Uh, that's for sure. Here's the real question I'm going to have, and you just kind of touched on it. 15 minutes. Good luck. I, I, I think you are trying to – you are definitely trying to jam a full sandwich right in there, man. Now, you, I could easily see – in this town, I could easily see in a, you know, a much longer show. I mean, great. I'm glad we're starting it off with 15. But, I mean, you are going to have so many opportunities and so many people that are definitely going to want to get part of that show. Yeah. It's – so, you know, it's going to – it actually fluctuates uh, based off of – you know, because this Queer Book Save My Life is a podcast, mm-hmm. right? And so – 
I just let it go where it goes, you know. And that's what I love about that show is that you know, if we if we go for a full hour, we go for a full hour. If we go for it's a meaty twenty minutes, then it's a meaty twenty minutes. And so the Gailey Show then fluctuates responsive to that, right? So mm-hmm. some episodes are you know twenty seven minutes, and some episodes are fifteen. And it is we'll see where it goes. I mean, maybe it does you know become it, its own thing. But right now, it, it's really nice to be able to kind of use it as this touch point that people can go to, mm-hmm. and they can be oh, I didn't know about you know that film. I didn't know about that book. It's coming out, you know, next Tuesday, you know, and stuff like that. And also to be able to start to bring in local folks and have interviews and conversations is also really exciting as well. So to kind of have that, you know, if if you missed it, here is an opportunity to hear about it. Or if it's coming up and you get to have that conversation and, you know, we had an interview with Leslie Vincent about her Christmas concert and I was not expecting for her to do this like weird song <laughs> that she told me about, and I literally my eye like you can see on the video of it, if you go to you know Amina Fifty's YouTube channel, my eyes literally bug when because she was talking about they did a song about this you know Austrian legend of a woman at Christmas who was told like there was a whole theme that's like capitalism like if you don't do your job you're gonna have like rocks put in your stomach or something mm-hmm. like that and it was this wild crazy I'm like this is a Christmas tradition She's like yeah we made a Christmas song out of it and I was like what is going on. <laughs> Yeah, think Melania's, <laughs> Melania's White House Christmas. I mean, it's, it's, there's a darkness that comes. I, I lived in Germany for a few years. There's a darkness that comes with the holidays there. That you know, right? you know it's a, ooh, look, the, the, the tea that tastes horrible. Thank you. I'll take some yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's this, you know, really twisted, you know, Christmas carol, which, I mean, go back and, and listen to the, to the interview because it's, it's wild. I came, I'm not even doing a service right now and describing it. Absolutely. Well, you want to, I do love some of that stuff. I mean, there, I was at, um, Minnesota Historical Society had an old You Don't Hear Them Christmas Carol concert. The Christmas Carol, this was about four or five years ago, that they didn't hear it. I do love some of these old world traditions. And the fact is that that our our art community in this town is so vibrant. I'm glad people are revisiting stuff. Hey, look, it's the rock and stomach Christmas story. Let's do that one, you know. Right? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's the great thing about the cities, I think, is that it's such a – People don't know the dynamism that's here. You know, yeah. I mean, I think people like that whole flyover country, you know, da 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 da. But it's really exciting where it's not just trying to get representation. Folks can be really experimental with stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, you know, obviously the tradition of like having Prince here, you know, that he did that work of, and so many others that are, you know, they come here and they and they are able to experiment and do things like let's dig up old Christmas carols <laughs> that exactly. you haven't heard in <laughs> so long that are kind of twisted and dark to them. Uh, this queer book saved my life. Let's mention that really quick. Uh, new season going on right now. So, um, you know, any thoughts on the season so far? I mean, where where you're you are going with some of these books and, and stuff like that? Anything that stands out? Oh, you know, I'm really excited to have. Um you know, there, there's some episodes coming up here where, you know, for for example, there's one um, author, and he's Australian. Wrote this amazing book. Um, about the homosexualization of America, right? So he's this Australian looking at this, you know, the U.S. and mm-hmm. what has happened, you know, to the LGBTQ culture. But when I got to dive into who he's in his 80s now, and mm. to dive into his history, prepping for that interview, and to see him like on ABC, which is Australian Broadcast Corporation, he's like 23 years old, wrote a book. He's like debating this labor politician and this Catholic priest at 24 years old. It's a black and white like TV, you know, like the, the archive footage. And I'm like, how it blew my mind at that age that he was doing that, like mm-hmm. on national TV 
continental TV, I guess, if you think of Australia that big. And so to be able to talk to him now, you know, decades later about his book and revisit it, and he was so tickled about that, you know, that we were that we were coming up and, and, and found the book and that we had someone that was talking about how the impact of it. And it was, you know, wild to see that. And then to have, you know, an interview that I did in December – which this episode will come out in the in the spring with Bruce Koval, who was an amazing author, uh, wrote a series that I absolutely loved when I was in elementary school and had no idea that he was bi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he wrote this other, you know, short story about coming out. And so to discover authors that I had no idea in retrospect has just been really magical, you know, for me. And so I'm really looking forward to sharing those. And so where I'm going with that is that we've got some we've got some texts that people probably don't know about, and then we've also got these, you know, books for kids and mm-hmm. for youth that I think is really important exactly. to be seeing those given what's like happening right now. Yeah. You know, like to do an episode that we had um, in December around The Color Purple, mm-hmm. which is one of the most banned books in America. And so to, to have that conversation with that guest who's like the seventh poet laureate of Portland, Maine, and for her to be talking about how she read it for the first time in eighth grade and its impact and then how it kept com- how she kept coming back to it, you know, how it kept having this impact on her over the years was just – wild to see how did this affect a black queer girl reading this black queer story in the color purple and then how she kept coming back to it was it's everything you want to hear right as Mm -hmm. as when you talk about the power of you know lgbtq books but particularly in this one because it's a banned book and because they're trying to ban it so often it's it's wild to have and sit down and have that visceral conversation with somebody I uh, should mention once again both these shows, This Queer Book Saved My Life and The Gailey Show, 2 o'clock hour on Saturdays right here on AM 950. Plus, of course, a podcastable everywhere. I mean a very yep. popular podcast. Uh, and, and you go to just go to your webpage, uh, thisqueerbook.com, thisqueerbook.com, and you can find all, both The Gailey Show and This Queer Book Saved My Life. You can find all the information about that there. It is the end of the year and I and I'd like to take time with some of the guests to talk about the year that was. Um, and let's you know the, you know you talk about Minnesota. Sometimes it comes, it gets us fly, flyover country. I don't think it got flyover country this year. After what the the DFL did and passed these bills and passed yeah. these laws, a lot of people stood back and say, "Okay, wait, this is different. This is all of a sudden we became the envy of the West Coast and the East Coast. How we, where is it? How is Minnesota able to pull this off? We have the positive, but we also then have that negative, which is the Republicans in their post uh, Roe v. Wade world needed a new villain to go out there and vilify. They've gone after the transgender community, the drag queen community, the LGBTQ community. They they go out with after it with a plum because they feel as if they can still bring in those those extremists that helped them with Roe v. Wade into the fray. To watch that hate unfold has been there there is. It's two sides of the coin. On one side we live in a great state that look is looking out for everyone. On the other side there's a darkness that you can't – that's coming out of the shadows that we need to be, make sure we definitely pay attention to in 2024. I, mm, I, <laughs> Don't be shy. I, Don't no, be shy. I, <laughs> I, I've just in, – in many, many election cycles now have watched the center right, the right, the far right organize around hating us and they use it as an organizing principle. And I think that it kind of flies under the radar um, of how well entrenched it is that they can use 
hating queer people and hating trans people as a unifying factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, DOMA, you know, in the 90s. Before that, the, you know, the Don't Ask, Don't Tell bill in 2004, it was all the constitutional amendments, you know, mm-hmm. but they, they deliberately bring these things out and it gets out their vote. Um, and I know that, you know, in retrospect, people will be like, oh, well, you know, did it actually get out the vote or not? And I don't care about that. What I care about is that they deliberately, like in 04, they got all those marriage amendments out there to ban gay marriage because they saw it as a deliberate, like, we're going to do this to get out the vote, mm-hmm. regardless if it worked or not. In their minds, they're like, we're going to do this. We're going to bring this stuff forward because we believe it is going to do that. And so to see it now again happening, and so I think for a lot of people, they're like, why is this happening you know, now? And I'm like, well, it happened <laughs> – it's been happening for a while. You know, go all the way back to Anita Bryant you know, in, the, in the 70s with her you know, campaign and what they did in California trying to kick out the, you know, the gay teachers in the schools. You know, they keep coming back to it because it works unfortunately. And so that's where I, we get a little frustrated on the other side of the aisle is that you know, drag queen story hour <laughs> – and you know, protecting trans rights isn't necessarily always at the top of their priority list, policy-wise. But on the right, it is, mm. and so you get this weird, like, you know, there's not this right response to what they're bringing forward necessarily. And so to see Minnesota go so hard on and following, you know, Rep. Lee Finke's. I mean, she had an amazing first term, mm-hmm. you know, in the legislature, and to watch folks get behind her on this legislation and to let her lead. A, B, I mean, A, important, and then B, to rally behind it and say, no, we're going to do this and we're not going to, you know, slow walk it. We've only got that, you know, before how, and you would know this way better than I would, but a long time it felt on queer rights that it was, we have to go slowly, you know, we've only got one vote in the Senate, so we can't, you know, piss anybody off and to watch Minnesota this time go, eh, screw it. (laughs) Who cares that we got one vote? We've got the power. Let's go for it. Let's do it. It's the right thing to do. It's going to help a lot of people. Let's just get it done. And You know, every week I was like on my phone, I'm like, oh, they did what this week? They did what this week? Like it was just wild to see them commit to that and run with it. And it does mean a lot. And we knew – we had a friend uh, who was on this queer book, Save My Life. The book that she talked about, uh, Julia Serrano's book, um, Whipping Girl, and she had just left uh, Minnesota, moved into the – you know, down south. And then that state became one of those, if we think that you're trans and getting trans health care, we'll rat on you. And you'll we'll, we'll report you to the law and we'll prosecute you. And she just moved there, like dumped all of her savings together. And she's like, I don't know what to do now. It's become so toxic and scary. How do I get back to Minnesota? Mm-hmm. You know, how do I get back? And a lot of queer friends that are, you know, in Florida, in Texas, that are, you know, we, like we don't want to live in the snow. And I'm like, would you rather have your rights and live mm-hmm. <laughs> and deal with some snow, you know, as opposed to dealing with sunshine and, you know, you're basically being – prosecuted into oblivion mm-hmm. like you know at some point you're gonna have to make that that choice and it sucks that you're gonna have to make that choice but you know until we until we can you know get some national democrats mm-hmm. doing what minnesota <laughs> dfl mm-hmm. is doing you know and it, get those protections it these are the choices that we have to make it takes time remember when the gay marriage amendment uh, the anti-gay marriage amendment was was defeated and I said on January when they opened up and said, you guys know what you need to do now. And there was a two-month debate. I'm like, do we want this? I said, we just told you we want it. Yeah. Sometimes it is frustrating because it feels like the, 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 the voters are grabbing them by the lapels and shaking them and saying, do this. And this time wasn't. And that's why I think it was so stunning. And uh, the, uh, Representative Finke was just phenomenal, phenomenal with the leadership in the face of politicians on the other side of the aisle who hated her, 
hated her with the fire of a million suns. They still didn't back down and they got things done. And that goes all the way up to the governor's office. He signed all the bills. And and that was that was just amazing. It, it does give you hope, but we know what's coming in 2024 because that's all they really have is to basically get hate out there as their motivating factor. It's what they want, yeah. which is the scary the scary thing is mm-hmm. is it, it just I guess I'll speak to my own experience and, and like particularly like with with my family and navigating with it. They're all you know a bunch of Trump voters and they're all MAGA. They were all in. They were all in on it before it even was a thing. You know, kind of MAGA was just sort of the naming of what they had been for for so many years. And it's it's scary to me to see family members that are like, yeah, no, that's exactly what we want. No, that's exactly what we want. And I'm like, but you, <laughs> but I'm one of your family members, and you're cool with this. They're like, yeah. You know, it's this idea that it's a choice, and so if they if they hate enough and they make it so horrible enough that somehow queer people will choose, you know, not to be queer anymore, to choose not to be trans or choose not to be, you know, bi or you know, um, gay or lesbian, and it, it's 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 so bonkers. And then to see, you know, in December, all of these Moms for Liberty folks who are. Oh. You know, they're all running around saying, you know, we have to protect the kids, protect the kids from the pedophiles. And then in Pennsylvania, one of the main organizers for Robinson Liberty is a literal registered pedophile. <laughs> and, and there's and, some people that have been keeping lists that, that show that there aren't LGBTQ people that are doing this. No. There aren't transgender people that are doing this. No. And it makes you almost wonder. It's like how much are you ignoring when you see it with your own eyes? But because it's not the narrative you want it to be, mm-hmm. that's OK with you. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on this. And, and yeah, for all the people like this, and I don't want to speak necessarily for your family, but when the people that are similar like to you, what your story just was, that is there, that have family then come back and say, well, you understand what I was saying. And no, I don't. And, you know, it's, that's why your show is so freaking important. It is. It is very, it's very important. I'm proud to be on a station with it. I'm, I'm proud to be, I mean, I'm absolutely flattered that you would come on and do this interview. It goes quick. It does go quick. Uh, <laughs> this queer book saved my life, The Gailey Show. They are the two o'clock hour on Saturday. Uh, JP Derbehosian, as always, thank you. Anytime you want to come back, anytime you want to come back, oh. my show is your show. And keep up the good work. Thank you very much. Thank you. Happy holidays. We'll take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950.